When you're deep in a dark dungeon and the cleric's down and dying And you've taken all the potions you had left And you feel like you are doomed because that demon you set loose is coming after you And you can smell its breath Don't ever give up Hey, welcome to the Roll Point Exchange I'm your host, Adam, and joining me, as always, are our co-hosts Noah Chris and who's the special boy? And Aaron. I so, am. <laughs> so we kind of we kind of drug you in for the New Year's wrap up, and you know I I wanted to talk to you before December again. So you know before we really get started on our topic, and our topic today is going to be improvisation. I would like to toot my own horn. And not, not on the, we we did that last time. We, we don't on. Wanna, Oh, dude, we have just had an anniversary. Like we we have been around for a year. The the paper anniversary is that what that is? Uh, I, I, I I don't know, dude. Yeah. I didn't. I, I, it's, it's the anniversary. It's the anniversary where I toilet paper your house. <laughs> yeah. So Noah's like a bad like boyfriend. He doesn't care about <laughs> anniversaries anyway. Yeah, it's on, so, sorry, Adam. No, it's all right. It's, it's it's our anniversary, and you know, you guys forgot, like bad <laughs> lovers do in a relationship. It's, oh no, I didn't forget. It was just a power play. <laughs> oh, oh God! <laughs> so now let me tell for, you about the red pill. <laughs> the power play for a power bottom. Hey oh, big bottom, big bottom. Have a okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're, we're we're talking about improv, and Noah, do you have any confessions to make for our uh, listeners about the improv that's going on? Um, it's it's definitely improv because we don't know what the hell we're doing. We have no notes, or I don't have any notes. <laughs> we have like six filled out board points. So let's see where this goes, guys. And the sad part of that is, like, is just yes and yes and yes and it's it's. We're getting into some shining territory with it. The okay, sad so, part is, like, I brought this topic up a week ago. I, I have no excuse. I should have done some research. I gave well, you, I mean, you. Go ahead. You're the one who always says that he, you fly by the seat of your pants whenever you run a game. So you, you, all of all of us should definitely not have any notes. Yeah, I was brought in like 30 minutes ago. I did tell you what the topic was. Motherfucker, you did Google. <laughs> What's Google? We only use Bing on this podcast. Oh, God. I, I did ridicule a student this week for using Bing. He was trying to find out. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had internet. Just Kentucky things. <laughs> anyway, so let's get back to our topic at hand. Otherwise, it's just going to be like three direct guys just rattle on for a while. But like every other podcast. Yeah, pretty much. But we're not. I think we're less prepared. Anyway, so from my standpoint with improvisation, I was a player before I was a game master. So as I cut my teeth with improv inside this venue, the circle, whatever you want to call it, it was something that really was no stress. You know what I mean? It's like everybody expects you to kind of be kind of stiff when you start out playing and then you develop as you go on. So there's really not a lot of, I guess, high expectation, would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. New players always get the uh, most slack. True. You always, as, as a GM, you, you kind of want to help them as much as you can. Like, 
kind of guide them through what they should be doing. Yeah. And I, we can briefly go over stuff, at least from that perspective. I think the hardest thing to get across for me as a player, at least improving, is separating Adam from the character I'm playing first off. And then I guess when I'm talking about the improv on this, I mean imp- like improvising a whole new human being, so to speak, separating yourself from that other character. That's improv. Improv yep. is just rolling on yeah. and on until you get something that sounds like it's good. Ish. You're improving, Adam. I, I do my own stunts. Let's all play the imp- improv game, guys. Pause. <laughs> let, let, me, let me get into the scene. Okay. okay. Do we have props? Of course. We always have props. We are a good improv troupe. Okay. Awesome. So, <laughs> Call us so, an improv troop. You've never seen an improv troop? Improv. We disappear out of nowhere. Yeah. Out of the, it's yeah. like a flash mob, but we just like start acting. Yeah, I, I did it. I started doing improv when I was in high school in the theater class. I'm sorry. So, well, excuse me, Mr. Carden. Fucking theater nerds. And the two topics are going to, as I rein us back in here, the two topics of like, you know, GM and player are going to intertwine at this exact moment because to be frank, you either do it or you don't do it. That's my feeling as a player. You know what I mean? You develop, but you just, there's no, I think there's no easy way. Then again, this is how I teach people to play guitar. It's like, okay, here's a G, do that. Well, you don't know how to do it. Well, keep doing it till you do that. The GM is going to give you enough material to work with to allow you to flesh out who your character is. I prefer to think of it as enough material to hang yourself with. True. True. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. With all all good improv, it shouldn't be just yes or no, but yes and. Like, if I'm playing off another character, let's say we're in a game, I'm in a game with Aaron, and Aaron says, like, I'm the best shot in the platoon, I'd be like, yeah, and uh, I'm there to get your ass out of whatever stupid shit you get into when you're when you're hammered. Yeah. So a, a good good improv honestly builds off of interacting with the other players and trying to build a rapport. Right. Like uh, so, in Noah, Noah, in your No Soul game, I'm actively trying to make a point to have for my character to have specific <laughs> emotional relationships with the other players. Yes, you are trying to be as much of a like oh god, what's what's the word I'm looking for? A a nervous wreck of a human being as possible and needle and butt heads with uh Adam's character uh as much as possible. Yeah, but I'm also actively trying to trying to be friends with Greg's character and I respect mm-hmm. Laura's character. Right. And I'm competent outside of high pressure situations. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of fall right apart when uh, there's a couple of gunshots. Like you wouldn't? Uh, no, no, you're you're totally correct. But still, you're you're demon powered supervillain. Goddammit, act like one. <laughs> Everyone, check out No Soul Left Behind on technical difficulties. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Please do. They're talking about another Adam. Yes, different Adam. But you're you're still there. Oh, you're still there, <laughs> our Adam. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be in the best of circumstances, but you're still there. Yeah, in spirit, I'm there, doing bad things. But yeah. So like, getting back, getting back to what Chris was saying, and everybody, feel free to jump in when you can when you want to on this. But it seems like we have uh, an element of 
reaction versus interaction. There, there is a difference between the two. Yeah, like um, what I was trying to get at is that my viewpoints on the other characters in the in the game are interactive improv. I decide, oh, I hate that guy. Oh, I'm friends with them. Oh, I uh, I am a nervous wreck. Versus the reactive stuff would be when my nervous wreck aspect kind of comes up. How does that fuck up a scene? Yeah. So we have to figure out when that's going to happen and how that's going to affect the way the the flow of the game goes. And even then, like that improv has a certain um, tactical quality to it because I don't want to hog a scene by just being like, oh, I freak out. And now the scene is about everyone trying to make me feel better. It's about them trying to escape and trying to keep you from like devolving even more into a mess and physically carrying you out of a Whataburger. I'm like a football of depression. What a burger! <laughs> Those poor, poor people. Oh, never poor represent. Anyway, look, improv is fun, because that's mostly what I do when we play UA. I'm sure yeah. you guys know that already, but there is absolutely no plan. And, you know, as a GM, too, there shouldn't there shouldn't be a plan. I find myself, and I, I'm looking forward to breaking this vicious cycle. When I, when I started out doing role-playing games, I was looking at, you know, pre-published scenarios, and I've mentioned this before, but I have a problem of becoming focused or married to the text that I have. And really, you know, it just seems like it would be a better game and it would be a whole lot easier on me as a GM if I had a kind of repertoire of things that I could pull from, like, you know, tools, so to speak, but just lay everything out there and let the story be directed by the players themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, kind of like you've got seen in Conspiracy Pyramid. Yeah. You've got five or six different things at the bottom. Boom. Go for that. Like, no matter where they go, like, you've kind of got this. You don't know how they're going to do it, but you got this material. And the players are going to go out and they're going to take your hooks, so to speak. And it's just going to just lead the progression along. So, you know, instead of me, like, as I used to do in the very beginning when I tried to run games, flow chart out, and I'm not kidding there, every single action or decision that could possibly happen, which is the path of madness, just, <laughs> you know, throw it out there. I mean, God, for, for God's sakes, you could put it on no cards and mm-hmm. yeah, just shuffle through. So, Adam, how did that work out when I decided one of my characters in your trail game wandered off into the dreamlands to die. It was a moment of just sheer panic. <laughs> it happens often when I do this. And we'll, we'll talk more about the failings of improv as with my improvisation as it goes. But, you know, say, for example, like that, Chris's character wanders off into the dreamlands. Not <sighs> supposed to happen. So do I, as a GM, like, allow this or at least have something in my toolbox, so to speak, that I could... Inter- not as directly influence him, like say, not go in that path unless he's just super hell bent on it. Or do I just like spend the next 35, 40 minutes just kind of trying to pull just shit on my ass, so to speak? Yeah. It's- um, I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily putting yourself on a, on a rail, but more of like a, a dirt road alongside a cliff where on one side you've got the, the wall of the mountain above you, and if you're 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 pushing the the players along that side, it's gonna drag and drag and drag, and it's super safe, and nobody's gonna be have nobody's gonna have fun. But if you go too far the other way, it goes over the edge down to the abyss. So you have to kind of 
put yourself right in the middle on the road where you have a little bit of of a little bit of space to kind of move around and to kind of improvise while you're moving along like the very baseline of what you're you're trying to accomplish um and that could just be running the game that could be like a few plot points that you want to hit it it just kind of depends on how like what kind of gm you are and what kind of story you're wanting to to tell via the game good point good point and you're completely right there too about it just dragging and dragging on and i know chris mentioned beforehand about like trying to avoid the railroad i'm putting my i'm paraphrasing that so to speak but the uh, boundaries become much more clear to the players which can have you know an adverse effect if you are putting mm-hmm. holding your nose to the ground Aaron, like you've started out, was your first game this year or last year? Like, or was it with us, really? Just side note. Yeah, yeah, no, it was that Delta Green game I ran. I think. Okay. Did you have? Did you ever have a encounter an instance where someone went completely? They zigged when you thought they were going to zag. No, because I like I had literally no plan for that game. We just weren't sure what we were going to do that night, and I was like, uh, "I'll run Delta Green because I'm an idiot and I say things without thinking, like you should when you improv." And I was well, you, really, like, you really got that philosophy down. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I'm just going to react to what they do and hope it goes well. And Aaron is our secret improv master. <laughs> he's he's a Hell savant. Yeah. <laughs> I am a savant. Quick, how many how many toothpicks did I just drop? Uh, seven. Damn. You're wrong. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait, shit, hold I should have yes-handed that. God damn it, Chris. So I kind of mentioned... I failed I mentioned, at improv. Ah. So, so I kind of mentioned mentioned this beforehand. Let's talk about a toolbox, so to speak, for our GMs. Unless you are, you know, epic le- level Chris Hammond on this, like I'd like to at least have a backup. That's kind of why I really enjoy Red Markets, and I look forward to finishing that goddamn game, Chris. But I also look forward to uh, running it myself because it it leaves so many things open to improvisation. With Fred Marcus, like the general mook characters, they have their stats, and then on up the uh, pecking order of enemies you'll encounter. So, you know, regardless, one random row went wrong, you know, all of a sudden you want to put an enemy character there, a DHQS, you're going to put some zombies there, anything like that. It's all easily and readily accessible. It's not like you're exactly going to have to, on the fly, roll up an entire character sheet. Man, you would hate Dogs in the Vineyard. I want to play it. Like, why would I hate it? It's a really fun game to play in, but to GM, you actually do have to roll up characters on the fly. That's part of the rules. Oh. Yeah. It's not, like, fun. I want to play a Mormon Punisher murder hobo. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, I've already, I've already played works. the Mormon. The Mormon Punisher. I don't think we should play the Mormon Punisher again. Okay. So as far as the toolbox goes, like I said, like that game in particular provides, oh God, multiple, and we'll do our own Red Markets episode when Red Markets releases. Woo, Red Markets. Woo. Thank you. (laughs) As far as uh, my toolbox goes, I like to have names first off. If I start naming everybody Steve, it kind of, you know, becomes obvious I'm just pulling shit out of my ass. And even despite the fact that, you know, I'm probably lying or making up stuff on the fly, I like to at least have names. Fortunately, mm-hmm. I play games that are set in, you know, pretty much 
nowadays or America, contemporary America, whatever, or even a past America. And it's easy to pull out a nice waspy name. If I were to do a game of Dungeons and Dragons or something of that order, I would at least try to have a web page available to where I could look up and, oh, here's an elf name. Here's a druid. Like, you know, I'd at least try to have something if I had to pull a character out real quick. So oh, this is my wizard, Rohypnol the Seductive. Jesus. <laughs> Man. Shit, wow. That got dark. <laughs> my, my current toolbox is of, for waspy names is made up of musicians and wrestlers' real names or a, con- a conglomeration of former students I had. And I'll just marry their names together. Like, so. uh, like when we did, uh, Visid and your. Spec Ops soldier was uh, Slash. Yeah, Saul <laughs> Hudson. It's cool. Agent Baker was a member of Bad Religion. R.I.P. Agent Baker. He was also to... a, a member of that monster when it absorbed him. <laughs> Fuck you, Noah. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Hey, we got you guys <laughs> together on the same Fun. podcast. I, I want to actually hear... We're, We'll go back to that. Like, just put the pin in that one right now, Noah. We'll go back to that one. That's going to be some good improv for okay. you. tiny, tiny man. One time, I did try to. I created a character for Aaron because he was being lazy for Delta Green, and I, he wouldn't play Jesus Allen for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if it was Gigi Allen, maybe. Well, well if that's Gigi Allen's you know. real name. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, he he got it. He's like, nope, not gonna not doing, do it. I think he was also a botanist. So <laughs> I wonder what he know. grew. <laughs> sure, stuff grew on GG Allen. DMT. Uh, so pretty much, like I said, names like generic stats are fine. What what other things can you all recommend as put it to put in your your game master toolbox for improv purposes? Temperaments, emotional Temperaments. states. Okay. I, I always yeah. find it's really important to think about, okay, this this person has a name, they do this. How are they feeling? Would it also go hand-in-hand hand to either to return to a previous topic we discussed, but perhaps having a, like a trope character? Yeah, more or less. For, yeah. And an archetype, more or less. Yeah, archetype. Yeah. Um, you can also have uh, locations, just sort of something, especially, you know, you've got the, the, the standby tropes of, like, you know, in D and D, there's always like the tavern and the 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 local government. So, like, you know, the the magistrate's office or or you know the the town guard or something along those lines. So, yeah. having I mean, a let's say uh, your characters get kicked out of every single Waffle House, Denny's, and IHOP in town. Shit. Yeah, you have to come up with like a bullshit franchise, like the Devil's Chicken. I think I came. I came up with that name. I think didn't I? It was either you or fucking Darth. <laughs> yeah. Also, a good thing with improv, if you need to create a new location, ask your players to do it. Yeah, let them do the heavy lifting. Seriously. I, okay, real quick. I was in Maryland like last week, and there's no shit a place called Hip Hop Chicken and Fish. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a chain because I saw more than one of them. In Beaumont, down right down the street from school, there is a place Move called... Move closer uh, to the mic here. Oh, shit, my bad. Is that better? Are you in yeah. the bathroom? Uh, here, I'll sit up. <laughs> look, I see you're treating our podcast very seriously. Look, I'm a little drunk. Anyway, so, there's a place if, called... If I could lay down right now, I would too, Aaron, so don't worry. 
there's a place called Kickin' Chicken, and it was delicious, despite its real dumb name. All right, so there's a fast food joint in Florida that I am not brave enough to go to yet. It is called The Dutch Pot, and it is a Jamaican restaurant. Oh, oh God. Geez. And I've seen, I... like, four separate places. Dog, I'd go with you. I'll eat some Jamaican food. I'm sure it's good. Can I drink a Red Stripe while I'm there? Probably not, but... <laughs> but Can I like... speak in an offensive accent while I'm there? I'm sure that they don't get that shit at all. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to see you get your ass kicked. <laughs> Look, if anyone deserves it. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> so right, Back to improv. So, so, so having um, some kind of locations in your back pocket along with like you know characters and things like that that you can kind of pull out and and throw together to 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 kind of help your players is always a good idea it's like okay chris you're gonna judge me for this it's like planning a wrestling match sort of you don't plan the whole thing but you plan your spots your big crazy moments exactly you don't plan, you know, your side headlock, but you plan getting power bombed through a ladder because you got to prepare for that shit. <laughs> and, and you know, sometimes you you plan the big thing like getting tossed off the top of the cage, and sometimes you get pure gold like getting choke slammed through the cage. And you're not supposed to go through the cage. And you're not supposed to go through the cage. So, if you start with one thing, you may end up with something else along the line. And it's beautiful. That tops it that you were not expecting, especially when you give it, give the situation to your players. I just want to put this out there. Mick Foley's probably going to die by either falling down a flight of steps by accident or choking on something like, like, you know, like a pop tart. <laughs> like he, he's uh, indestructible. So to, to he's having hip like, surgery, <laughs> he left half an ear in Germany. Yep. <laughs> okay. So, we, we, as we kind of mentioned with this toolbox, some of these things are also interchangeable too. So, you know, the, the, the default characters you create could also be, oh, so the party wants to go to the museum. Well, the cult is now at the museum, so to speak. So it's just keeping yourself like prepared enough, but not married to a basic plot line. Helps yeah, you gotta out. stay on your toes. Which I'm, I'm definitely doing in uh, No Soul Left Behind because I have – it's partially the fact that it's, you know, a, a pre-written campaign that uh, I've got, like, certain plot beats that are, are meant to be hit. And partially because I haven't read all of it, and I don't really intend to read all of it. I kind of just look at it as we're playing – that's a that's a bad game design there, Noah. Uh, but I'm I'm going to make sure to tell Caleb on you. <laughs> oh, he's a subscriber, I'm sure. Oh yeah, but as we, you know, we, I'm running the scenario like the players, like Chris and Adam, will present me with things that I wasn't really expecting. So I have to try and hook those as best as I can onto the campaign uh, and onto like characters or, or um, situations that are already in the book. Like, so, like, like what do you mean by that though? So uh, there's one character they, uh, in the last session that we, that we recorded where Adam wanted, not our Adam, but technical difficulties, Adam wanted uh, to get some 
information. He wanted to get uh, the the stun gun, so we improv we improv a a character who is the UPS driver for the school, who is actually a character in the book. So it's taking that that character and kind of putting them in a situation where they wouldn't necessarily be a part of, but it still feels appropriate because this character is going to be a bigger plot point later down the line. So getting a chance to introduce him earlier, that kind of thing. That's like the, the one that really jumps to mind right away. And it's just basically releasing the reins when you do that. Now you're basically, it's not you building the story anymore. It's the group and you just mm-hmm. more or less facilitating it, so to speak. Yeah. Let me toot my own horn here real quick. Again. It's like apparently I apparently I play brass when we were like the best moments or the best compliments I've ever got from uh, a role playing game. Some of them have been things that like I've totally pulled off, uh, pulled out of my hind end. Just the way certain rows went, the way certain people reacted to NPCs, and it's it's been great. Like if I were to ask you about the when we did the playtest for Red Markets. What is the defining vision you have of that ga- of our game there? Noah using a woman as a or a uh, using a tomahawk and a woman's spine as like a rudder. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh, yeah, okay. that was rough. That but... was, and you know, it, they're defining moments like that sticks with me, and also the fact that I should have made you cut her wedding rings off her fingers. Right, that was a defining moment for me as a GM, but definitely, you know, as a less experienced GM. Like the fact that Aaron like still remembers like taking that tomahawk and dragging that woman with the, the blade still embedded in her back. I that still was- remember the the point where at the very beginning of the session where we did the vignettes, I'm like, Will will you marry me? <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> yeah, that 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 did happen. You know, all that's improv, and again, that's why I love that game. Some of the stuff when in the playtests, not playtests, but the actual plays that we did for the Fear of Self, my one-shot mini-campaign. <laughs> ah, that classic one-shot campaign. <laughs> but, like, the whole LARPing deal out in the woods, that was, that's not in a book. There's a paragraph, and I probably Hashtag, yeah. Hashtag justice for Therese. <laughs> Chris kicking a man to death also wasn't in the birth book. That was all impromptu. No, and, and that's – see, that's the problem. And I'm, like, I'll go ahead and throw this out there, like problems that I have with improv, and this would possibly be a good, a good segue as I watch my daughter hop on a plastic bowl like a rodeo person. That's odd. I, children, guys. I'll tell you all kinds of stories later in my daddy podcast. But that sounds weird when I say it like that. Hey, I will yeah, admit these yeah, records. Oh, oh. Please don't ever call yourself daddy again. Okay, I won't. The uh, Or do, anyway. Man, I totally <laughs> fucked up where I was going with that. Here's the deal. when With improv with me, sometimes it works good. And then sometimes, I, much like the players that Chris was talking about beforehand, I have enough rope where I hang myself. There's two games that, I put, that I've ran that I've allowed like the games to come to an early completion and not ha- reach the big bag, big, big bad villain. They were what I would like to think they were decent games overall that I ran, but the second the big plot altering events happen to key figures in the game, 
I fall to pieces. Chris kicks the death of mining character and it escalates to him being arrested. Now it had a cool ending. I thought I, that worked out decently, mm-hmm. but you never got to fight the big bad. We were doing when we did a play test uh, for, for a Delta green scenario. And it, rather than following the cult and see what happens, you, you guys went in hot and hard and game over. Yeah. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so t- tell me, how would you, how would you remedy those problems when, Set pieces that you have actual events built around the NPCs and their improvisation just totally undermine everything. Well, for that particular playtest, I think that's more of an issue with the scenario than with you. Yeah, but you know, let's talk about fear of self. Then, like, yeah, don't let me kick somebody to death. Okay, you're saying like in extreme cases of improvisation or extreme cases, the GM should reserve the right to in some shape, form or fashion preserve the narrative any way that they possibly could that yeah. is as limiting to player agency as possible. Yes. Or put in a backdoor that wasn't there beforehand. Like we know that having read the uh, scenario now, I know that this guy had some weird black tone, maybe that he had that on his computer instead and they could look through it while I am picking Did a man who just dogs to death. Yeah. Listen, guys, I work in the veterinary industry. I don't like animal abuse. Oh, that's fine. I, I knew that was coming when we did that. But so, in general, did you know? No, Chris, I, I knew that you were you had a soft spot for animals. Like, and it, and me picking that particular aspect. I mean, it was written in the scenario. I didn't expect you to react as violently, but you know, I knew it would be a soft part spot that would definitely draw you in. But you know. Man, it's a good thing you were not there for uh, Visit. Oh, yeah. Lord. Oh, man. <laughs> if I was there for Visit, I haven't learned, listened to it, I probably would have shot you in the head, Adam. I wouldn't have died. I wouldn't have allowed it. I would have said, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> Clearly, Adam's the vector. But so encourage, encourage group collaborative storytelling. But if you have a certain linchpin that everything hinges on, try to anticipate possibly what yeah. would happen. Okay. Basically, don't don't give your players a a chance to 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 fuck that part up. Like, if this character needs to not be kicked to death, oh, um, I would say like you know you could have like some extra people there that will grab the PC and move them away, kind of thing. Just have the guy be able to get out of it. I mean, it's not like especially if you're playing online, it's not like the players can see your dice. You can hand wave and say, I'm the GM, I'm God kind of thing and, and have them make it out. Eric, do you have any advice from the game master side? Don't expect just start making shit up like within the frame of the game, obviously, but like freestyle, that's what I did. That's what I always do. Like if you guys go off script for a print of pre-written scenario, I'm just like, uh, shit, I got to get them back somehow. And then, whilst making shit up, I back on topic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what, are, what are these sort of skills we kind of use to kind of get things back in shape? Because we're, we're just sort of saying, okay, when things go off topic, we need to get them back on topic. Like, how do we do this, though? That's the question. Skills-wise, I think having backup characters and things like that is always, always very useful, but... um. Mm-hmm. It's good to know your players and their character kind of beats. So if you kind of reach a moment where you don't know what you're doing, that's when you kind of pull on one of your character's passions or something that's important to them. Like, uh, let's say 
uh, this is a kind of saying how the sausage is made, but let's say I'm at an impasse. That's when, in the Unknown Armies game, that's when Harry's sister calls, or Abe's wife Chris, shows up. Say, are you saying, implying even, that you can predict what your players are doing? Uh, sometimes. Hmm. Yeah, it has a, has a general feel for it. Yeah, you do the what was it the the Raymond Chandler thing when when nothing else is going on, just have two men kick down the door with guns. Yeah, note to self: become more unprepared. <laughs> no, don't, don't, please, don't make my life even harder. Just you know, let it be organic. <laughs> yeah, you know, as far as repertoire of, of those types of tools, I'm developing them as I go, and to take a different spin on it, I don't have. A steady tool set, as we mentioned for that, I think it's important for me to fail and fail multiple times at it. It's kind of like leveling up, so to speak, in Delta Green. When you fail a check or something like that, you get better like shooting a gun. Or It's like also yeah. like that in known, Unknown Armies. It's like that in real life. I learn. So you're, you're not going to get better. I mean, you may have a natural knack at improvisation and thinking quick and bouncing with it, but it's going to take the wheels coming off the bus for you to learn how to address that type of issue. And, it, and you know, I guess repetition would be my tool. So I like, if I have a character kicking the plot to death again, <laughs> I will try to invoke a deus ex machina of sorts to interrupt that or escalate things. Okay. You know, you've just beat a cult to see, so, you know, say you just beat a cultist to death and you have a very limited amount of time to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So just, you know, turn the timetable up real quick. Like we know shit's going to get real bad. So, so roll with it. And I think I like that idea because it gives you your players agency. And it also underscores that what kind of control they have in the game. They do something horrible. There's going to be a, there's going to be a response to that. So two birds, one oh, yeah. stone. Yeah, it's always a good idea to really make them think about the consequences of their actions. I'll tell you this, though. Noah handled me. Well, that sounds really weird, but let's go with this, Noah. Okay. I mean, (laughs) did he? Did he? Noah, like, I kept doing, like, all right, so we talked about me using dogs as bait to to chum in, like, mythos entities and stuff like that. Noah let me do it the first time. Made me roast sanity. I, you know, all right, whatever. I, I, I disagreed, unless I'm John Wick, like, and it really bothers me. But that was real fucked up, dude. I, I don't know, man. It's just been like I, I have a different value of things, I guess. But not saying I'm a horrible monster to animals. The thing that Noah did the second time, I tried to repeat that trick as he started like doing nice game master talk to me. He's like, "Oh, that dog looks so happy." Oh, like so, <laughs> like, he, he, you know, it wasn't. He was narrating the events to where. It affected me more, and it changed the way that I handled the situation. And by God, I would have died for that dog at that, after that. I almost did, probably. You almost did. Both you and uh, Agent Salt almost died for that dog. <laughs> Jabo lives. He's canon now. Jabo. <laughs> and that was great. You, you know, you you kept me from spanning the same attack over and over, and you handled it in a way that was, in effect, like tongue in cheek, in a way like, oh. Well, he looks at you with those puppy dog adoring eyes, and that was that was a masterful technique. I, I applaud you, sir. I was just trying to guilt trip you, really. Oh, yeah, you, you know, that's how you handle anyone in a relationship. 
So what you're saying is you created a sympathy monster for Adam. Oh, yes. I, I have a sympathy dog now. I'm afraid to play those characters again because I can't bear the thought of Agent Sol- of uh, Hudson and Jebo being separated. Good. And stuff. Uh, Jebo is now a, a bond on your character sheet. Mm-hmm. I love Jebo. Like, we're going to play De- Delta Green tomorrow night, hopefully. Maybe if Patrick still wanted to do it, and I was like, yeah, I'll, put, I'll put him back. No, I can't. Je- who's going to take care of Jebo? If- oh, <laughs> the yeah. program will take care of Oh, God. No, you don't want the program to take care of anything because they take care of them perfectly. Do they? Or do we? To go with that, when you see somebody getting ready to make a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake doing the, are you sure about that? I mean, I would reserve that for the most extreme cases of, you know, you've just made, you put all your chips on the table. Are you sure you want to wager that kind of? moments but those type of things while you know breaking the fourth wall so to speak would allow your players to reassess how bad they really want to accomplish something that also takes you out of the game though are you sure should be a last minute it it is they are going to do something unforgivable unforgivably bad so it's it's a tight walk yeah it it it, being a game master is you you guys are familiar I know Aaron with your degree. You also familiar with this uh, Chekhov's gun? True. Yes, I am familiar with that because I have an English degree. <laughs> I'm familiar with it because I know about TV tropes. <laughs> what Noah's saying is that he's an uncultured swine. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> you know. The the thing that I wanted to mention too is as we were talking about the collaborative effort, uh, not effort, but the, the collaborative aspect of improvisation the, and the characters coming up with the storyline and stuff like that. I've, I've noticed numerous times in the the games that I've ran that like some small innocuous fact that pops up, like players will sometimes grasp onto it and it becomes a nice leading element. You know what I mean? Like it, it could be an NPC that you thought of on the fly. That somehow keeps coming back over and over again. Like, you know, I'm thinking of our character, like the one that I'm wanting, the woman I'm wanting to save in the uh, Red Marcus game, Chris. Oh, yeah. One at Nathan shot. NPC didn't even have a name. Still don't even have a name, I don't think. But, you know, as a player, like I grasp onto that different area. And it's, you know, that's the cool nature of it all. Like some of the things that occur in the very beginning that weren't planned for, uh, they make reoccurrences in you know act three or scene three or whatnot so i guess in closing with uh the you know from a gm standpoint of improvisation i think knowing your knowing your skill set is one of the big things you need to be aware of to be able to improv so to speak right there's the things that you handle best you need to do minimum prep work and the things that you're lacking perhaps deserve a tad bit more attention yeah, i'd agree with that but there there are certain tools that you can use to kind of learn how to get better at improv. Okay. Such as? Well, there's games like Fiasco where the entire game itself is generated at the beginning of the setting. Like you have a playset that is a bunch of tools and needs and wants and objects and things. And that will create like a sort of Coen, Bri- Coen Brothers style um, film, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Any, any other kind of games you think of off the top of your head, guys, that are very loose form and very encouraging of improvisation. Unknown armies. Oh God, there's not even, 
I think Stosi even said that there's really, I get the impression there's no real way to write a campaign for that, judging on the nature of the game itself. There there are ways. It's hard, though. It's my my understanding is it's all very player centric. So you can make a campaign of it, but you really have to go through talking with your 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 players to kind of figure out what it's going to be. Yeah. So much like they provide you with the tools, and then uh-huh. you just okay, cool. This it's, is a weird choice, but I also think don't rest your head is a really good form of improv and kind of getting people into the idea of trying something new because you're supposed to create your character at the moment that they find this weird world. Basically any game where it starts off with a questionnaire as opposed to stat building, you know, Yeah. Uh, I can see uh, puppet land probably being pretty good at, uh, at improvisation, especially from a player side, since you, you have to role play the entire time. One day I'm going to I'm going to role play um, Puppet Land with my stepmother's terrifying hand puppets. They're so creepy! Oh my god! Oh my god! They're the creepiest. I love them, uh, Adam. That needs to be the uh, image art for this episode. Oh, you got a, you got a picture of it? I have a picture of several. Throw them in there. I think of games like Call of Cthulhu, Trail Cthulhu, a lot of the Gumshoe games. Any game that gives you gives you motivation gives a great tool to flesh out your character to improv. Okay, so I know that you're a thrill seeker. I know my character's a thrill seeker. What would a thrill seeker do right here? Those are great. Well, I mean, really, uh, any any RPG can be a, a thing on improv, but definitely the ones that we've listed so far have been the, the most improv-friendly, I think. Yeah, they're, they're all very character-focused, though, which yeah. helps a lot. Uh, there, there are some that are mechanically-focused, which can work with improv, but are you saying Twilight 2000 doesn't promote improvisation? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, all I'm saying is that we need to play more Rift. You oh, shut your you. mouth. <laughs> um, you shut your dirty mouth. What if we use Twilight 2000 to be a roving theater troupe in the bombed-out ruins of Poland? God damn it, I would play that, because that yeah. sounds insane. My dogs. My guys. <laughs> We what just roll we... from. Go ahead, Noah. Okay. We just roll from town to town in our our beat up M1 Abrams, uh, and put on shows for the the kids. <laughs> so this is like the Tumblr. You're you're all in a punk band, but all these b- towns are so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. What What if we just played World of Darkness? What if we just said fuck it and played World of Darkness? Boy, wouldn't that be a thing? Let's, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll only play Monty Cook's World of Darkness. <laughs> we'll play mage and whoever runs it is gonna have to fucking learn physics <laughs> yeah yeah sure i'll play mage it, it definitely will not turn into unknown to... i'll play mage it definitely won't turn into unknown armies the thing though is i as i understand it, you have to kind of have a small or some knowledge of physics and magic in that game to like oh. work out how it works <laughs> oh god why Man, RPGs were a mistake. <laughs> Speaking of mistakes, like anime. Speaking of mistakes, no, you have any new mistakes you'd like to talk about? Oh yeah. So, um, <laughs> if you follow me on any sort of social media or anything like that, you may have noticed that I have become obsessed with the new CW show Riverdale. 
um, which is so about bad. Archie comics, but as a CW teen drama mystery. God, it's so bad. It's <laughs> you shut your mouth. You know um, I'm right. But I've gotten so obsessed with this show, in fact, that I have now started a new podcast. Um, Maple Syrup, Blood Money. I'm doing this with a friend of mine, ours, of mutual acquaintance, uh, Kyle Cardi. And it's, it's, we're having a good time. We're, we're going through each episode of season one right now as is airing, um, and recording discussions and, and like kind of a summarization along with a discussion kind of thing. So. Uh, if anybody out there is interested in hearing some of my thoughts about Archie having sex with Miss Grundy or, or how um, Alice Cooper, who is Betty Cooper's mother, is like the most worst person in the world. Yeah, you can go to uh, mapleandblood.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes as Maple Syrup Blood Money. You can find Follow us on Twitter at, at Maple and Blood. That's all spelled out uh, all together, no underscores. And you can email us at mapleandblood.gmail.com. Again, all spelled out, no underscores. So yeah, so give it a give it a listen. Yeah, no, the show itself is insane and bad, but the podcast is hilarious. <laughs> it's just pretty good. Think. Kyle and I, I think we make a good team. I look forward to hearing you guys dissect the episode about uh, certain players like taking pictures of photographs of people that have been modified in ways. God. I'm just going to send you guys an email that says, please stop. (laughs) I mean, I think you should for your own mental health. (laughs) So Uh, episode episode three was not very good, but we, we talk about it. We talk about it a lot. Awesome, and man. I think as as we've been talking about it on on air, Kyle and Car, Kyle and I are just going like more and more insane because we're 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 pulling some some deep cuts for 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 jokes on that show. So I don't know who the show is really for other than us, but uh, give it a listen. Maybe you'll like yeah. it. Awesome. Well, best of luck, man. I look forward to. Uh, I look forward to. Um... Trying to explain myself for watching that show to my wife as I listen to the podcast in the car. Is okay. it is it kid friendly? No, 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 no. Okay, all right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Uh, anything else yeah. you want to add? Uh, no, just if if any of you want to come on and, and talk about some Archie, like just let me know. I I, I look forward to it. I will. Uh, I will take my English degree that we spoke about, Aaron, and I will use it to examine these words. Yeah. Uh, no, I have a question. Good for. Yeah. Is What's that? Moose in Riverdale. Yes, what Moose is in his, Riverdale. What about his girlfriend, whose name I don't remember? Uh, you don't have to worry about her. Oh. No, no, hold on. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> God, Moose is a complicated character. In the Why first episode... Uh, Moose and Kevin um, attempt to hook up because uh, well, yes, Moose is, is curious. <laughs> Moose is curious. Um, he wants to do everything except for kissing. Uh, oh well, yeah. I mean, it's not gay if you don't kiss. You 
But uh, there's some things happen, and then uh, I like a <laughs> stop spoiling it, Adam. I'm sorry. Oh, this show out. is insane, guys. Uh, so, but yeah, some things happen, and uh, they don't go any further. And Kevin makes a a joke about how um, Mo- Moose has a canon girlfriend, Midge. And I think it's probably like the most meta sort of joke we get in the show because they're talking about how like there's canon Archie like hookups and things. It's great. Moose is like, I'm curious what fucking a dude is like. I'm not going <laughs> to kiss you. That's gross. Yeah. Don't look me in the eye. That makes it shameful. <laughs> Pretty, much. Pretty much. That's interesting. So, guys, tune in to Maple Syrup and Blood Money. And yes, it takes us five don't. episodes to explain that name, by the way. So strap in. <laughs> awesome. Well, looking forward to it. So, I, you know, I've been consuming media not as much because school's wrapping down, and you know, I'm, I feel like somebody's placed a giant rock on my chest at the moment with all the shit I got to get grades put in. Anyway, uh, you know, I've been playing Mass Effect. Now, I I played Mass Effect One. It was okay. I played Mass Effect 2, and I found it to be the crown jewel of the original series. I played Mass Effect 3, got one ending, uh, was disappointed, not necessarily with the ending itself, but I guess elements of it. And But, you know, I'm a fool. Bioware made another Dragon Age game. I'd go out and buy it immediately. Another Mass Effect game. I went out and bought it. So, so I have bought... And I've been playing Mass Effect Andromeda. And I like it. You hear that, Aaron? I like it. I fucking like it. You're allowed to be wrong. I don't care. Oh, that's that's your thing, dog. What about the terrifying flesh puppets that they uh, say are humans? You know, the animation is a bit dated. I will say that. Like, and they fixed some of it with, with the patch. And, you know, as far as plot lines go, I'm sure that it could have been more deep. I could have been a deeper thing. It's not The Witcher Three. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I find it enjoyable. It's a, the gameplay. I thought was the best iteration of Mass Effect so far. Yeah, so it's not apparently a very popular stance. I think so far it's just me and Jeb that like it. But you know, I'm digging you're, it. You're the only two people in the entire world. I got past like I finished the main stuff you have to do on the first planet. I was like, I'm not going to go treat it. Okay, you know, if people like it, that's fair. Like, it's not my thing. Yeah. But I will say this. mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. No, I don't know what I was going to say. Keep going, buddy. My girlfriend, the the original Mass Effect trilogy, three of her favorite games ever. She finished it in her drama. I believe one of the first things she said after finishing it was, I don't know if I ever want to play any Mass Effect again. Damn. Of course, She's also playing Weeb Shit Fest Five at the moment, so yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't I haven't beat it yet. I, according to the kids at school, I was talking to them about it. They tell me I'm about three four, three quarters of the way done. So, you know, I'll come back and t- give you the final review. So far, it's enjoyable enough. Too many side missions, but you know, you'll have that. When you say Weeb Shit Fest Five, do you mean the uh, Catherine side project? Persona? I mean, Persona... Oh, no, hold on. I, don't, I was trying to do a Japanese accent, and it almost went 
Scottish. Uh, just, just don't, don't. Yeah, don't, I was, I was don't. trying to cut racist, but I said it racist. Yes, Persona Five, Japanese high school simulator, two K seventeen. Always goes back, play- Catherine. You were playing Final Fantasy boy band simulator. Don't give me that, Aaron. Don't you judge her. I, I need to finish it. I need to finish fifteen. But lately, I've been pushing or playing or complete. Goddamn, trying to think of a way to. Enacting a Sisyphean feat or uh, uh, job in, yeah, task in trying to eat all of the binding of Isaac. Oh, fuck you, Adam. (laughs) All of the binding of Isaac with, like, the two hardest characters in the game. So, you know, that's fun. I've been doing that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Finish, Finish your thought, please. And then I bought ukulele, and I was like, well, this is okay. And then I just got rid of that today, because I was like, this is fun, but I've played Banjo-Kazooie already. Yeah, it's it's a 90s game. Yeah, and I've got nothing against it. I just, like, I'm probably not going to play this anymore. So of I that, traded it. Go ahead. Once again, I was going to say, I traded it and put the, like, the $15 I got for it towards Injustice 2, a game that I will play. So, Chris, speaking of 90s games... How's Zelda? <sighs> I am a Zelda man for life. I'm a Nintendo fanboy. How many Korok seeds do you have? Uh, I think I'm at 160. Gotta, gotta step it up. Um, There's 900 of them bad boys. You gotta go. How many do oh you have? God. I have no idea. Okay, how many um, shrines do you have? Uh, was that like 80-something? Well, step it up, Carden, because I finished them all. Ooh. I've been thinking about going back and trying to beat uh, the first Dark Souls. I've never finished it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I've been devoured by Breath of the Wild, and it is everything that I want in that it is an exploration game, and there is some building elements like Minecraft, and it's Legend of Zelda, which I am obsessed with. Uh, I don't... Everybody keeps saying, like, Minecraft, but really there's only, like, a cooking element to it. It's the exploration that makes me think Minecraft, really. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that, but, like, I don't know. I think the the, the, the Minecraft comparison is, is really kind of rushed. It's, it's weak, but it's there's not a lot of games that are solely focused on exploration, and this is yeah. one of the few that, like, really, really does it well. Totally. That's cool. I, oh god, so fun! I haven't played That's Zelda better. since Super Nintendo, but I mean, it, it's always looked cool. Like I, I wanted to get the one for the Wii when it came out, but eh, all right. I mean, GameCube. It was a GameCube. The first one, it was kind of like, oh, Twilight Princess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Ooh, Ooh that's hot. Been part of the game is a furry. Uh. That could be Twilight Princess or Link to the Past. Well, I mean, in Twilight Princess, you literally turn into a wolf. And in Link to the Past, you turn into a bunny. Bunny man. Do you? Oh, yeah. Turn into a bunny? If you don't have uh, the the mirror, you'll... Uh... Oh, wow. There are also cucumbers in that game that'll fuck your day up. Oh, yeah, they'll fuck you, the right, they'll fuck you right up. But uh, as of now, my um, top three Legend of Zelda games are... Uh, Majora's Mask... Breath of the Wild, and then Wind Waker. That's cool, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Nothing will ever stop. Nothing will ever top Majora's Mask for me, though. 
Where so, like, that's so good. So. Yeah. Surrealist horror and also Legend of Zelda. <laughs> and Link is totally dead. I want. Oh, yeah. I, would, I do want to take a take a moment here. I do want to take a moment here to just briefly mention it. I've um, I'm about halfway through with it. I can't go through things fast and all, but I've been reading you by Greg Stosey, which we interviewed Greg not too long ago. And, you know, I was very apprehensive about a book that was written in second person, but Jesus Christ, he does it. He does it masterfully. I think it's the best second person book I've ever read. And I've, I mean, I've read a few experimental novels like that. It's just, I know it's, it's unknown armies, which is great. Can't go wrong there. But at the same time, there's certain things, and I know I've mentioned this to you guys just in conversation that he hits on in that story that just ring a bell with me, so to speak, is enough to really drag me into it. So I would definitely recommend that everybody go out and pick up you, Chris. I know you've been reading you. Yeah, I finished it. Oh, don't ruin it. I'm halfway through. Well, the book ends. Oh, damn it. Does it still hate you? Yes, all books hate you. Oh, okay. Uh, Noah, you got anything else for Aaron? If not, we'll... Uh, oh, I've got several things. Um, Shit. All right. So, I bought, a, I bought a Switch, mainly because of Zelda. And I could have played Zelda on my Wii U, but I also really wanted to Switch for the things that are going to come in the future. Or the Switch. Eventually. Eventually. Um, but I can, I can take Zelda... Like full on 3D Zelda with me anywhere now. And that's pretty awesome. It feels really nice. It's a decently powerful system. Uh, I would say, unless you're a really hardcore, like, video game person or a really hardcore, like, Nintendo person, probably worth waiting for some more titles to come out. But it's, it's pretty nice and I like it. Um, if you have super, super big hands, the, the Joy-Con controllers might not be the best, but um, they—they—they're finally getting the uh, regular controllers into stores again. So keep an eye out for those. It's also been a couple other games I've been playing. Um, the main one, which I need to go back to once I finish Zelda, is uh, Near Automata, which is a sequel to the first Near on Xbox 360. Now, is it called or pronounced Automata, or is it Automata? Automata is how I was. I think it's automata. I I've always said it automata, but yeah, automata. It's it's one of those things that's automatamon. Yes, you know it's automaton. Yes, you're an automaton. Automaton. Uh, but yes, um, I've been playing that. It's very good. It's finally a Yoko Taro game that is playable. Because a lot now, of these older games, like uh, Drakengard and Drakengard 3 and the first Nier, aren't exactly the... They're a little jank. They're kind of janky. Um, now, Noah, explain... Pretend I don't know what a Yogatara game is. That's the director of the game. Ah. Um, the the creator of Drakengard and Nier. That does which, sort of sound like a Japanese fetish, though. <laughs> uh, or food. Yeah. But it's very good. I highly recommend it. The story is is pretty cool, and it goes some places. It's about, you know, you are a a robot lady who is reclaiming Earth from evil machines for humanity, but you also kind of hate the humans that you're doing this for. Um, I think you do. 
Yeah, and it's about, you know, humanity outside of humans and that kind of thing. And it looks really, really pretty, and it plays really, really nice because it's Platinum Games, and Platinum Games can do almost no wrong in my eyes. There's a couple of, like, they're really quickly pooped out licensed games that are more all that the, the ones that made uh, Vanquish? Uh, they did Vanquish, Bayonetta, Wonderful 101, Mad World, and Anarchy Reigns, all those games, yeah. Vanquish sure was a game. Uh, was it a it game sure was. <laughs> I've also been playing uh, Yakuza 0, which I don't know if I mentioned the last time we recorded. I think briefly, but it does bear mentioning again. Uh, that's also really, really good. It's um, If you like Shenmue, I would recommend that. Um, especially Yakuza 0, because it's a prequel to all the other games, so you don't really need to know about anything, uh, about any of the previous Yakuza games. Play it. Um, it's set in the, the late 80s. Um, and you are a Yakuza who um, is trying to get that money, son. Like, literally, when you punch people, money comes flying out of them, and you use that to upgrade your skills. Um, uh, I also picked up Persona 5, but have not started that yet. And I got Berserk and the Band of the Hawk, which is the Berserk uh, Dynasty Warrior-style game. It is a Dynasty, Dynasty Warrior-style game with Berserk over top of it. So that's all you really need to know there. You know, any, no demon horses? Uh, no, there's plenty of demon horses. You you chop right through them, fuckers. Okay, sweet. Noah, did you know that there's a another Yakuza game coming out this year? It's, it's another what? Oh, Yakuza? Yes. Um, I think it's Yakuza Kiwami. So which it's is... an actual separate game? Or it's a remaster of the first one, I think. Yes, it is a, a remake of the first game for current-gen consoles. And then I think Yakuza 6 is coming out next year? Um, and that one actually features uh, Beat Takeshi, who, if you are familiar with Japanese cinema, you have probably seen Beat Takeshi. If you're familiar with the old show MXC, uh, he was on that, because that was his it's show before. Weep shit. Yeah. Fuck you, MXC is great. Yeah, he was uh, one of the hosts on MXC, um, or rather, I, its original form, uh, Takeshi's Castle. I will brook no dissent. Get it on. Get on. <laughs> um, and I think I think that is it for me. A lot awesome. of games, a lot of podcasting going on. Well, Chris, you do real good at closings, don't you? It's closing time. Okay. Sorry. So- so Chris, that song that Aaron just sang was forget that never ha- like that ever happened. But what about the music they heard when they downloaded this beautiful podcast? Can you tell us about that, sir? Oh, uh, our intro theme is uh, "Critical Hit" by Ghost Mice. Uh, you can find them on Planet X Records and uh, Planet X Records Follow them for more folk punk goodness. Uh, you can follow us on uh, RP Exchange on Twitter or. Um, at the role playing exchange at facebook.com. If you accidentally end up in the group that actually is talking about role playing, like rope role playing, that's not us. So you, you type something wrong. They do exist, but we're not them. Yeah, we're, we're not furries. Not yet. Give it time. <laughs> and uh, once again, we didn't think this through. <laughs> we improved it, right? Uh... Not all fights are won by skill. Number one by block. Don't ever give in. 
keep on trying till you lose or you win. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Wait with hope for the big two o. Cross your fingers, roll the die. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it roll. Let